You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. If you missed it, last week uh, Greg introduced us to the book of 1 Peter and he shared the good news with you and I that if we're followers of Christ, we do not become so by random chance or even by our own doing. Right? Rather, we have been chosen by God. We've been chosen by God. He chose us. He picked us to be his children, to be adopted into his family through Christ. That was encouraging for me. Um, so now I'll invite you to read along as I share the next chunk from First Peter, First uh, Peter 1. Now before reading, I want to point out that the next six verses that we're going to be sharing this morning are very, very important. They're very important. And uh, uh, that kind of goes without saying, because of course they're important, they're in the Bible. Um, I'm aware of this, but the ideas and the topics that Peter addresses, the things that he brings to light for us, are far from smaller, insignificant ideas, okay? They're huge. And you'll see what I mean in a minute as we read through and so on. But as we read, understand that Peter's words are anything but common, and that by paying close attention to them, by prayerfully seeking God, and in applying these things, our lives will be forever changed. Okay? It's amazing stuff. So you can read along. Uh, we're in First Peter chapter 1. I'll be doing verses 3 to verse 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not yet see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and is filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Pray with me. Lord, as we turn our eyes to you and we share together in the wonders of your truth, I pray that, God, your spirit would speak to us in specific ways. God, may we listen and hear the specific things that you know that each one of us individually needs to hear. And then in doing this, we would come together united as your church, the bride of Christ. God, uh, humble and encourage us today as we do this. Thank you uh, for all of this, for being in our midst and working in and through us. Amen. 
Um, once again, the the six verses we have today should probably be broken into much smaller pieces, right, and preached over weeks and months. Um, and this is a thing that pastors love to say about whatever passage we're preaching on. We love to make it sound as if we've just got a gold mine of of great things to share with you and and stretch it out over a really long time and and all that and everybody else is thinking no spare us please <laughs> um, please don't uh, so we won't um, but just know that um, you know we could spend much more time talking about each verse uh, but I think that the six verses that we shared uh, just now as we discuss them and go through, we'll find that there is a progression that Peter uh, walks us through that's very meaningful and, and important to understand a more complete uh, picture of, of what Peter shares with us, okay? So we're going to observe that as we go. Um, but first I want to talk about the series title just for a moment. Um, I was interested in this title and, and excited to... to um, to call, to call our sermon series Living Hope uh, for a couple of reasons, right? Um, one of which is the, I guess, the multifaceted meaning of the phrase Living Hope. Okay, so you see, we have the Living Hope, which is found in the ascended Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the hope of the world, and although he was crucified, he's no longer dead, but he's alive, and this is what Peter means when he says, a living hope. So our series, as always, is going to be about Jesus. And he is our living hope, and, and we're going to be talking about that through and through. Uh, but as well as Jesus being alive and thus being our living hope, uh, the topics that we cover in the next few months through First and Second Peter... They're going to deal with some of our questions that we have about how Christians are to live with hope. Okay? What would it look like for Christians to live with the hope that we've been given? What does it look like to apply and act in the living hope that we have in Christ? Right? So we can know the living hope of salvation in Jesus. And then furthermore, we're asking, what can this look like? Right? For example, uh, in, t- in today's passage, when we're faced with conflict or difficulty or suffering, right? hope is ever so important to have. And so um, I believe the gospel of Jesus uh, shows us and teaches us what it would mean to not only accept this, but to indeed live with it and have it with us as we, as we move forward in our life and in our faith in him. So now, uh, looking at our verses for today from First Peter, we see that before Peter starts the discussion about hope and suffering and everything else, from the very beginning, in verse 3, Peter throws open the door with this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This tells me that even as we come to a topic, a discussion about something like suffering, that the posture of worship to our Heavenly Father is always to be square one, 
Okay? Worship is always to be square one for the Christian. So by this I mean, if we want to take from Peter's example of blessing God's name, uh, this, is, this is what we are to do, is to take from his example of blessing God's name as the first order of business before we worry about anything else. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This phrase can never be said too much, right? We cannot be reminded of it too many times. We cannot worship too much. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every, every service we start, we begin at the gate with, with a time of worship together. And essentially, this is what it is for and what it does. It starts off the morning by looking to Him and glorifying Him. Okay, so it is on the grounds of worship that Peter moves us into some reasons to find hope in our salvation in Christ. He gives us some reasons. If you're taking notes this morning, you can note that the theme of verses 3 to 5 is this. It's hope because of the future reward of heaven. Okay, verses 3 to 5 are about the hope that we can have because of our future reward of heaven. And this is one of the reasons Peter gives us to live a life filled with hope. Living hope. Um, And so, Peter's talking about the future reward of heaven. Um, And when we're talking about reward, we're talking about the inheritance that Christians receive as we are adopted back into God's family through Christ. Um, Sometimes... When I think of reward, it sounds a bit one-dimensional, right? Like uh, transactional, or if you do this, I do that, uh, or something like that. Inheritance is a much better description, and it's one one that Peter gives us. The inheritance. Um, We have hope, and we find reason to praise God the Father because of this inheritance into which we have been received. Now, any time that we talk about inheritance, I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son, right? Um, there's, there's the rebellious son who decides uh, finally to return to his father because he has nowhere else to turn, right? The son ran away with his inheritance. He said to his dad, you're dead to me. I want my money and I'm going to go do with it what I want. So the father in his uh, grace and wisdom and probably foresight as well, gives the son what he asks, and off he goes. And the son rebels and ruins his life, and he's at, he's at the bottom. the very He's hit rock bottom, as we say, and he has nowhere else to turn. And so he decides to uh, come home to his father. He, he's thinking, oh, at the very best, I could just be a servant, you know, in my father's house, and at least I would have food to eat and a place to sleep. Uh, so he comes comes home to his father. Now, what's the what's the expected result of the father when he hears news that this son is coming home to him? What do we assume the father would uh, feel, or what what he would do when he hears this? When he sees his adult son who has wasted everything that was his, I think the father would would uh i assume he would respond with 
rejection of the son, right? He would be angry with him, or he'd be aloof and cold, or he would finally be able to say, I told you so, right? Or something like this. I'm not sure. Something along these lines. But what does the father actually do in the story of the prodigal son? He sees him coming in the distance, and he runs. The the father runs to his son. He welcomes him back to the family. He wraps his arm around him with more love than we can even imagine. And this acceptance, this image of the father running and welcoming his son back and saying, you're my son, I love you, throwing a party for the receiving of his, of his son who he thought was dead. This picture is, in part, the, the reward that we have as, as we are adopted, adopted kids of God, right? This, uh, the parable, the story of the prodigal son is one which shows us uh, a very important image of what it looks like to receive the reward, to receive the inheritance as Christians. Our inheritance was bought for us. It was according to his great mercy, right? Just like the father to the son, Peter says it's according to his great mercy. And our, our inheritance, furthermore, is kept for us. It's in an eternal realm where nothing, no matter how dim things look on this side of heaven, nothing will cause God's inheritance for us to lessen, to go away, to rust or fade. He keeps it for us. Okay, and as we move along, we read verse 5. Uh, there's, Peter gives us more cause to live with hope. He says this, that God, in all of his sovereignty and power, God is guarding his children as we find our way home. He's guarding us. The word guarded um, is one that brings up images of being shielded or being kept from theft. Okay, it reminded me of in John 10 where we have Jesus, the good shepherd, guarding his sheep from attack from outside, uh, from, from the enemies who would come to steal them or destroy them. So be encouraged this morning to know that God, in his power and his grace, is guarding you on your way home. Peter says he's guarding us, that God is guarding us. Have you ever worried, right, that even though we know and trust Jesus, that we just might not make it? We might not cross the finish line. We might not get a passing grade in the end. Peter says, no, 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 no. Listen, it's God who's guarding you and bringing you home. Okay? Take heart. God himself wills and completes the salvation of his people. Okay? And he will do so for you and me as we walk forward in faith. God is not simply waiting for us on the other side, absently, you know, watching to find out if, if we make it there or not. We aren't going through this alone. God is guarding us in incredible ways as we live our faith. Our salvation in Jesus is worked out by his doing and in the end gets us to where we need to go. And in this we rejoice and we find hope. 
So those verses were about hope because of the future reward of heaven, our hope because of the inheritance Jesus Christ won for us by God's grace for his people. Uh, Next we talk about our hope in the midst of suffering. Okay, Verses 6 and 7 are about Christian hope in the midst of suffering. Now, suffering is a thing that is difficult uh, to address. We don't talk about it all that much because often we aren't sure how to even approach the topic. Uh, Suffering is hard to reconcile. But it is very, very important, right? Suffering is very important. Um, So there is much to be said about it. Um, There's much said about it in God's Word, right? We can read about suffering... Um, all over the place, and there's there's a lot there. There's also a lot of really good, high-quality books that are written on the topic of suffering and hardship and Christianity. As I thought about it this week, it seemed to me that uh, suffering is, in, in some way, is kind of essential to being human, Right? It's almost a universal um, experience. And it takes, obviously, many uh, shapes and colors and forms as, we, as, as each of us were, would express how we have gone through difficult times. But we can't go through life without knowing pain, right? We can't go through life without experiencing suffering of some kind. In fact, when Peter says... We are grieved by various trials for a little while. He means it as in we are basically constantly grieved by various trials, right? It's like how life is but a day. It's a hyperbole. Uh, He's not being sarcastic, but it is more to say that, yes, you know, life will be difficult. We will be grieved by various trials. But this life is only a little while in the grand scheme of things. So he's saying we can't go through life without going through trials. And some people's trials are uh, very, very tremendous indeed. So what gets us through? What gets us through... Trials. How do we press on during times of suffering? There are different ways to answer this question, of course. Um, if, if we could ask each person here, we would all have, uh, you know, very valuable uh, ways of, of sharing our own experiences of how we have, um, how God's carried us through times of difficulty and suffering. But the one that Peter offers us, the answer this morning for what gets us through times of hardship, times of trial, is to say that we get through because of hope. Hope is the thing which can keep us afloat and sustain us, right? Even as we feel uh, we're sinking or we feel like letting go. If we have hope, Hope can carry us through. It's a thing that we can hold tightly to 
right? And for Christians, we find this, we find our hope in our relationship with God. We find our hope in our relationship with God. In verse 7, Peter suggests that trials build the quality of our faith, right? Um, They test the genuineness and make our faith better. Trials are like fire which purify the gold. In this case, the gold is, is the value of our faith. And this is a good process. But knowing this, I don't know about you, but for me, knowing that my character and my faith are being strengthened during those hardships sometimes isn't necessarily enough to keep me going or to give me hope, right? Simply knowing that the the difficult things that I'm enduring will, in the end, make me stronger. Um, This is good, but it's not, I don't know, sometimes it's not enough. It might not be comforting. But Peter says this because we can know that as we go through trials and we keep our faith in God, he says that if we trust in him, our trust will grow and deepen more so during the times uh, than, than during the times where we didn't actually need to trust in him in the first place because we were just, you know, fine and self-sufficient. The trials test and build the genuineness of our faith. Next, Peter reminds us of the finish line, the inheritance that God is keeping for us and guarding us towards throughout this life. In verse 7, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When we need hope to persevere, Peter reminds us again of the glory of Christ. The glory of Christ. In Romans 8, verse 18, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The things that we're going through now will not even be worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. If we could put them on a scale, right, with glory on one end, and all of the trials that we experience in this lifetime on the other end, the scale wouldn't even even, even budge compared to the glory that outweighs all things on the other end. Um, there's something in, in this verse in Romans as well as 1 Peter 1.7 that I think is important to point out. Um, Peter talks about praise and glory, right, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when he says this, he refers not just to the glory that Christ will deservedly receive in the end, but Peter also refers to the glory that Christians will receive when Christ returns. And this is amazing. This is amazing. Glory that will be revealed in us. Right? So for all the rejoicing that we will know when Christ returns, it will be reciprocated over God's people by him. The glory of Christ will not be contained just within himself, but he will come to 
uh, receive his bride and his glory will be shared and completed in us as well. His glory will be lavished on us. Right? Christians, we share in the glory of Christ because of what he has accomplished for us. So in times of trial, in times of hardship and difficulty, our faith can remind us of these things, right? They remind us to look to Jesus and the love that we know now and that this love that we can feel in this world is just a glimpse of what we will know in the future as we experience our hope completed at Christ's return, okay? So that was just a a small uh, scratch of the surface of hope for, for Christians during hardship and suffering. And we'll move on to uh, the third topic of verses 8 and 9, which is this. It's hope in the joy of salvation. Okay? Verses 8 and 9 tell us about hope in the joy of salvation. Christians can have hope because we know and love Jesus and are saved by him. Let's read those. Peter says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So this is just a further description. Peter further describes how Christians are born again into a hope that is alive, right? Even though we know uh, the depths of suffering, even though we are grieved by various trials, probably for our whole lives in many ways, we are called to receive and express the joy that we've been given in Christ. Well, joy inexpressible, right? And maybe this sounds impossible, right? Maybe it sounds impossible to, uh, even in the, the difficulties of life, to, um, to know and be filled with any kind of joy. But remember this, right? Remember that our, our source of joy is in Him. It's in God, it's, it's through His Spirit, and it's from Christ. This is why we have joy. It's not something that we uh, just have to put on uh, a fake smile. We don't have to pretend that uh, things are, are always going well when they're not, or anything like that. And I appreciate this about what Peter says. I think that he's uh, reminding Christians to be real about the things that we're going through, and not just... Um, always push away and 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 uh, um, try and hide the hardships. He says, "No, you you will be grieved, but with the Spirit at work in us and our eyes on the wonder of the communion that we have with Christ and will have with Christ, we can know joy inexpressible. We can live with joy." 
we've inherited the glory of God himself, right? Which will someday be completed in us at Christ's return. So even as we see and experience the darkness of, of living life in this world, If anything, we long all the more for the light of God, right? And we rejoice at it both now and forevermore. So even as I share these things this morning from First Peter, I realize that all of this takes faith. It takes spiritual, uh, a spiritual maturity, right? We grow into this. Um, and often, uh, to live in the ways that Peter is calling us to, it often takes a community, right, to experience these things with, together. I think this is, in part, also why, why uh, Peter calls our hope a living hope, because if it's alive, it's a thing which indeed will grow, right? As time goes on and we mature and we follow Christ, our hope will, even if now it's very small, as we press on and continue forward with our eyes set on him, our hope, which is alive, will mature and grow bigger and stronger, okay? And this, this matters, Right? Having hope really, really matters. Because like I was saying before, hope is necessary to endure trials. Right? There, there are uh, stories and examples of people going through the most severe of, of suffering and hardship in life because of the hope which they had and held on to. It carried them through. Hope is very important. But a living hope in Christ is the ultimate means by which any person can do this, right? Christ is the ultimate source of hope. Placing our hope in temporal things is not a plan that will actually last. It may carry us through. And, that, and that's not, we don't downplay that. But we are not called to do this. We're called to put our hope in something eternal, something greater than ourselves, and it's Jesus. Because if we put our hope in anything else, no matter how good they may be in this lifetime, the bottom line is that even those things will someday fade away and disappear and be gone. And what remains? Christ himself, right? Jesus will always be so we put our faith in him. We put our faith in Jesus, right? And as we do so, we will find that he does bring us hope, a hope that grows, right? Even if all we can uh, uh, receive and know right now is just a very small, uh, seemingly insignificant amount of hope from Christ, as we put our faith in him and say yes to him and continue forward in our relationship with Jesus Christ, it will be alive and it will grow and it will last forever because Christ will forever last. He will last forever. And by doing this, we'll find even in even today, right? Maybe in the midst of suffering, Christ will have us rejoice 
We will rejoice as we know him, even now. This is awesome. Let's pray. God, as we discuss these things, like I said before, I feel the immensity of what Peter teaches us. And I pray, God, that you would touch our lives this morning in a way that causes us to have hope as we turn to Christ. Lord, I pray for hope to spring up and live and grow brighter in each of us today. Lord, teach us what this looks like specifically, how we can have and know the hope that you have provided for us through your son Jesus at the cross. God, make us ready and willing um, not only to discover hope for ourselves, but to bring the hope of Jesus to our neighbors. Lord, we bless your name. We rejoice in all that you have done in us and that you will do in your church. We thank you. Amen.